0: welcome to until the bell rings i'm your host crystal J. miss marks if you've ever taken my class here's the deal i'm for inclusive and equitable education because it better serves the young people that are relying on us to prepare them for whatever comes next i'm excited today because coach e and i will be talking to a former colleague of mine Like me, she left after last year, and not only am I looking forward to catching up, I'm looking forward to learning how her experience compares to mine as another black woman working in a private school. So join me in getting another educator's perspective on the hallowed hallways of my high school. All right. Uh, welcome back. Uh, like I said, today's guest is actually a former colleague of mine. So she will be joining Coach E and I. Um, I mentioned before that uh, when I left last year, there were four full time uh, Black classroom teachers, three out of the four left, and Madison is actually one of them. So, uh, well, let me start with Hi, Coach E. Hi, Madison. How are y'all today? Hello. Hello.
1: Great. Hello. How are you? Doing great.
0: Awesome. All right, so um, I guess I'll just start with, if you had to give me like an overall description of your experience working at De La Salle, what would that sound like?
1: For me, it was rewarding. I remember sitting through the first day of um, the professional development for new teachers and going through the La Salle principles for the first time and realizing, okay, like these are, like mores and principles that I've lived um, with my whole life. And so I was like, okay, like if if this is the standard that's set. um, So I I felt immediately like comfortable in the sense, like, okay, um, I'm gonna be in a classroom where that's the expectation. Like they have high expectations for um, the way students should carry themselves. Um, And then overall, to me, it was like service. So even though I was a teacher, I was, I'm also a licensed minister. And so um, are, I'll I always, yeah. Right. And I just, I just viewed it as ministry, just serving, um, for the most part. And, and that's, that's how I still see it.
2: Nice. All
0: right. So you mentioned the, um, Lasallian principles, which Ellie, we actually named last week. And I, let's see if I can name them again. I had to pull them up. I'm gonna be really honest. Yeah, um, I got them already. So <laughs> faith in the presence of God, concern for the poor and social justice, respect for all persons, quality education, and inclusive community. So on the surface, like this sounds ideal, right? Like that's yes. the same. Like I can I can get on board with this. Now, admittedly, um You know, anymore, like I'm not a person that goes to church every Sunday like I used to. I did grow up Catholic, but even out of the context of religion, just and how you should treat people and how you should behave as a human being, the Lasallian principles are awesome.
2: That sounds Um, great. I was like, okay, do I need to be (laughs) Lasallian once I heard all of that?
0: Exactly. And and this is this is where the struggle comes, right? So these are the principles that you know they talked about. So much, Um, and then you didn't really feel that so I I think I want to talk about what we expected versus what we didn't expect, and um, you know how we kind of dealt with that because there are some expectations with the private school like a a little stricter when it comes to uniforms, you would think um, a little less tolerance for tomfoolery, if you will. how did your expectations differ from what you actually saw, you know, as you got further into your time
1: there? So I expected like strictness as far as like, oh, they have to wear uniforms. But I think what surprised me with the uniform checks were like the specific things that they were looking for (laughs) because they seem kind of arbitrary. And then I noticed but some things it made it seem like they were uh, penalizing certain cultural norms of mm-hmm. certain students that didn't apply to the to other student body demographics where they probably would would never be caught up by, by some of these uniform checks. that's That's what got me. So I guess to to deal with it. Well, one, at, at some point, I just told the students like, okay. I have to do my job and I'm like I know you're feeling some type of way about this but this is what I gotta do. So like when they announce uniform
0: checks in the morning did you always do those? So when they
1: I was about them. to ask like how do y'all do uniform
0: checks? Because oh they would be like ours- they'd be like teachers please check your students for more than
1: one earring on the morning announcements or for <laughs> the wrong colored socks or a belt. And I'm like, well, and one, I'm like, I didn't even feel comfortable, like looking in that area. Like, on. Right. I don't know. It was just uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, you know, I'd be like, raise your hand if you don't have a belt on.
2: <laughs> I'll be honest, like, I, I'm, I'm honestly not looking or checking for my students that hard. Um, If it's obvious and you walk in my face, I'm gonna be like, okay, girl, come here. We need to talk. But they they ask us to really check IDs every day. We have APs that stand in the hallway and check really for dress code. But um, if I catch them, I just try to have like the okay, you need to cover that up or put a jacket on or something. But for me, I guess I know this just kind of leads to how they were kind of pinpointing students. But it's priorities like, do I want the kid in the class learning, or do I want them out for 30 minutes trying to figure out a dress code situation?
0: So I'm that at, teacher. You're at a public
2: school. Like what is the yeah. um dress code like at your school, Ellie? Uh the biggest thing that we have to watch out for is crop tops right now. Um they're not supposed to have them. So the girls will just put a sweater over them. Um they've given up and they've allowed leggings. Uh you're not supposed to wear a hat still or hoodies in the building. Um no spaghetti strap shirts or anything like that. And then um shorts and skirts are supposed to be mid thigh, whatever that means. Art to
0: skirts you. are supposed to be two inches above the knee.
2: Um, that yeah.
0: wouldn't work <laughs> well, it, and it doesn't I mean, here's the thing. I am I, wary of I think there are things that are like obviously inappropriate. um, but I also I'm wary of rules that are not easily enforced right? right so like hair rules for do y'all have hair
2: rules uh, at your school Ellie they have gotten rid of hair rules I mean we're even allowed to have facial hair now so I see every color every style facial hair I see all of it so we don't have hair rules
0: okay so definitely uh when I first got to De La Salle they were much more strict you know no twists no Locks, uh, if you had braids like for girls, you had to wear them at a ponytail. Um, Is that a look of confusion on your face? That that is definitely
2: a look of confusion. (laughs) (laughs) No cornrows. No cornrows. Accurate. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely so. I know we've talked about how that's definitely pinpointing the Black students on campus and maybe even mixed race students, you know, depending on what they want to rock for the day. Um <laughs> but how do you how do you get by with that? Like that's a normal hairstyle in our community. That's a clean, good-looking hairstyle in our community. But it's distracting in a How practical. was that distracting? What did they ever give a reason as to how that could be distracting?
0: No, and I think um and I think Madison can probably attested this in conversations that she's had with administration. I think that's the frustrating part. There's never mm-hmm. like a a logical because even when you're willing like hey let's sit down and talk about this because these are the issues that I have with this um like when I was telling you about the twist when I said I don't get you have no twist and you have twist in quotes and I was like you might as well put you people like what right you know so then when I said what's so wrong with them and the response is well I can't really tell you you'd have to show me a picture So you don't even know what it looks like. You just know it's something black people do that could maybe get out of control and out of control how? How? Like, what does that look like? Um, With everything uh, going on with Florida and it's banning its AP black history uh, course right now, I thought of you, Madison, because you taught, you taught history, civil, What what did you teach?
1: So I taught American history, civics, and AP human geography. And AP human geography was very, um, I don't know if liberal is the right term, but they talked about all aspects of human life, including race, including um, issues with the LGBTQ community. Like it, it was very broad as to how humans interact with each other. It covered the entire human
2: experience. Mm-hmm. Whether you are
0: liberal, conservative,
2: we're getting. Oh, I'm sure there. that led to a lot of interesting conversations in your classroom. Yes. <laughs> I bet it did.
0: Now, my I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Was there a time when somebody complained about you talking about race too much in class? Yes. Can you can you tell me about that situation? Because I was quote unquote, director of diversity and inclusion at this time, but I never heard anything about this until way later. So what happened there?
1: Sure. So I was doing a presentation. No, I had the kids doing a presentation on, they had to talk about um, identify one area of discrimination and then figure out a solution. Um, How would we eradicate that? How would we fix it? And so they really had to make their own they had to make their own law. And then they also had to tell me how they were they, they were gonna implement it. Like what were the punitive measures gonna be? Um, what were the different factors and implications they had to think about in enforcing all of that? Um, and then at the end of everyone's presentation, um, I had them all just like kinda meditate. Cause like when you're going through that, we all were in our feelings, even me watching like it, it was a little overwhelming at times because these kids come from different backgrounds and they have their own understanding of what they think discrimination is. Okay. Um, and then the next week when I was on lunch duty, I was sitting on one of the couches in the lobby. Um, and so the principal comes by and so she was like, oh, um, I had a student. She she didn't tell me who it was. Um, and so she she was like, he said I, I think ms harvey talks about race too much in our class and that particular lesson um in the textbook like it was dealing with segregation like segregation was in the like the the lesson of you know that that particular chapter and what i told her i was like this is what the book assigned for the students for um this section in the unit. I was like, I didn't make up this lesson title. This came straight from the books that you all supplied. And I was like, in every unit, they always highlight um, what particular race is affected by these new policies, by um, the change in procedures. So sometimes they would highlight Native Americans. Sometimes it would be how were women affected during this time period. Um, when we got to the early 1900s it was like the Chinese and the Japanese so like each they the book made a point to talk about which group was affected during as we transitioned through time like who was considered the other is basically what they kind of went into Um, and so that happened to be in, in October and I just remember like all the like vigor and fervor that I had for like teaching and like seeing the kids explore, like, like it just went like, like it was zapped almost.
0: When you feel like you don't have support of administration because regardless of, you know, if a student went to the principal and had that complaint, regardless of what her response was to him, the fact that she brought it up to you just says, it kind of shows her position on it, right? Because imagine, like, what does an educational day look like in a high school if we say, like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable talking about all this stuff related to white people. Can we not? Like, Like we never got that option.
1: Then what do we learn? (laughs) Like, what, what does the school day look like then? And I think the killing part about it was she did tell me her response to the student. And she told the student that, He doesn't need to feel responsible for um, racism and discrimination because, like, he wasn't there, you know, at that time point in history. Like, it's not his responsibility. He doesn't have to worry about it. Like, there's nothing further he has to do. That's not
0: your. (laughs) This isn't your problem. This isn't a problem anymore. Basically, right? So yeah. What's when I talk problem? about my frustration, it's not just how I witnessed black students being treated or how I myself felt like I was treated. It is also, what are you teaching these white students about how you are to treat other people? You know, and, and that is always because, you know, what's going to stick with you. Oh, that's not my responsibility. Right. So your life, you go through your life, things go down, you know, not me not my problem. And that's just that's just not the case um and it's interesting that you brought that up because I know you mentioned um that one of the surprises uh is that you know, black educators and students in the school are dealing with the same issues your grandma did when she was a teacher 50 years ago. Um how much because I actually I I mean I knew my grandma was a teacher. I learned more about what she went through later. I think as I was frustrated, and um, I think my parents trying to help talk me through it. Um, like, what do you know about your grandma's experience teaching, and like where did
1: she teach? She taught in rural Mississippi, and she taught in um, in Jackson, Mississippi, like in the in the metro area. And then her last leg of teaching was in Michigan so she she ended up getting like two retirements so she could like live you know mm-hmm. on a on a decent amount of money when when she actually chose to retire. Um, but she even when she retired, she still went back for like maybe like two or three years, and then she was like, "Okay, okay, so I'll, I'll sit down." <laughs> but she was principal at um, at one of the high schools, and then she was principal in Jackson. As well, at a either it was either a middle school or elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she had a, a great deal of leadership, you know, for, for the time period in which she was teaching, but she didn't. It was, it was a hard black school
0: or a white school
1: or. So in Jackson, it was mostly black, and Forest, it was a mixture
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, of black and white kids. And the the leadership, the school board leadership in Forest was all white. And so she was, before she actually became principal, she was probably like one of the most qualified and they put other people before her just because of her race um, at the time. And, Which I think and happens
0: so, at out. They wouldn't describe it that way, but definitely that's how it happened. Sounds
1: happens. like it. Yeah. And so that that's how she ended up moving to Jackson, actually, because once she was passed over, she was like, OK, I'm just going to do something completely different. Well, I was going to
2: comment on uh, something from the previous talk about the admin talking about your lesson. Mm-hmm. By her giving that response to the student that he's not responsible, she missed the whole point of the lesson and showed her ignorance to the whole situation <laughs> at the same time like the whole point of the lesson is no you're not but you have a moment right now to say yes we saw we know that this is happening and how can I help to change it or make it better so that we can grow as a community um so she missed that talking point point. and are you really running back and talking to your teachers about every little kid that complains about something no, you're not. You're only going to talk to teachers if it affects you or if it's something that you have an issue with. So you're telling on yourself and how you felt. You took that lesson personally, um, confused it, got it all wrong, and then tried to come at you like, why are you trying to blame these kids for their forefathers' sins?
0: Well, you know, and that goes back to what I've said over and over is like, anybody who works in education has to know that, discomfort is a big part of the learning experience, right?
2: You you have
0: to be uncomfortable. So, and I don't know if I spoke uh, about it since you've been on the podcast, Ellie, but like when I talked about the principal, you know, saying very openly to her students that she grew up in Tennessee around all white people. The only black person she knew was, you know, the woman that worked in her house, who was also the only adult she was allowed to call by her first name, right? So, I think she has come so far from where she comes. However, that doesn't mean that you don't have a means to go, but that also means I think that when you're searching out comfort, that's really problematic when you're in a diverse environment. It's exactly. like, you know, uh, many, many conversations that I've had in class uh, in class are uncomfortable, however, you know, if you can just kind of stay with the students and talk them through stuff. Like I was always, um, almost always pleasantly surprised about how understanding they can be and how, you know, if you give them the space to get it, that eventually they can, you know. Um, And even to where, you know, you talked about um, in class, like having to meditate because those conversations could be really difficult. I definitely remember um a certain uh, like one day and it had something to do with race and one of the students it was a a white boy and he was like all right let's take a break and then he turned to me he said miss marks i know this conversation is really hard for you like you know we can we can table it for a minute like it's okay so just even um to watch their empathy grow mm-hmm. you know like that's a you miss out on that when you're so busy trying to protect. Set it down. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everything. Um, the reason I asked about your grandma is because, okay, so my grandma was also a teacher in Mississippi, uh, but she, I think she taught homemaking. Ec- I don't even know how many years. All I know is she was 94 when she died, and students, and she had been retired my whole life. Students that she taught you know, that were now in their sixties and seventies showed up at her funeral. Wow. You know, it was a small town in Mississippi, but she also told me, or my parents told me like, you know, it was when they didn't really want black people getting their uh, postgraduate degrees in Mississippi. So they paid for her to get her degree in Iowa because they didn't want her, you know, in the school yeah. in Mississippi. And then when she moved back and um, integration happened, her first semester of integration was her driving to from the black school to the white school and teaching an empty room of people and then the next semester driving the black students that she was going to teach to the white school to teach them in that school so that they could say it's integrated like and so part of me feels like i don't know how i would have made like I, I don't how do you do that right But then I also hold to my other, the difficulty of being at De La Salle specifically was that these Lasallian core principles and they brag about their diversity. So you think you're getting one thing when you're getting something else. You know, if I arrive somewhere and they're telling me right up front, like, we don't care about this, this is not important to us. I can make a choice. This place is not for me, right? Um, But, when you see this diverse group of students and they have these principles, you think, oh, this, these might be my people. This might, you know, and you get there and it's not, it is maddening. I found it maddening. <laughs>
1: yes, and I think my grandmother felt the same way. Cause like, so she, she said once integration started, the quality of life for black students immediately went down. She was like, for black for the black students, I guess in her area or like the, the effect that it had um, was was in her eyes negative like she she loves all kids and loves teaching all kids. Um, but I guess with the same issues we're talking about discipline, the quality of work, the quality of resources, it just didn't equate. Um, at the time, and I guess being at a school where you have a very diverse student body, but you have um, non-white leaders over this diverse student body, it's hard for them to just be, and I think one of my um, main surprises at De La Salle was seeing that Black children weren't allowed to just be, just exist. Just be a kid.
2: They were they were over police They were overwatched, yeah. overguarded. And then it's like, okay, if I feel like you're constantly watching and harassing me, like I'm I'm not, this isn't a safe place for me anymore. This isn't a comfortable place where I want to come and learn and try and do all the above and the beyond that you're supposed to be able to do in an educational environment.
0: And I also think exactly. there's the added layer of, so you learn that, okay, gosh, this is what's happening. Like they are being over-policed, um, you know, teacher, you know, like I said, when you have the teacher that's like, well, when this student says it, he's being funny, but when he says it, it's just disrespectful. Right. No, like that that comes with, you know, how you're viewing your students. But so then you see this happening, you want to, I think like part of me at least wanted to believe like, obviously they don't realize this is happening. And if you start having these conversations, they'll realize it and then they'll start changing their ways. Right. Or at least thinking about it. So you go and have these conversations. And I think the most defeating feeling is this, um, this kind of insinuation that like, well, you're just kind of oversensitive because you're black. So you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like you're black. So you're seeing it this way. You couldn't You couldn't possibly be seeing it objectively. Again, nobody is saying that directly, but that is 100% the message that, you know, you're kind of getting. And I, this is actually the, so that year I came back, my last year there, when I was not director of diversity and inclusion, and I had a couple of students come talk to me that week that I, you know, before school started, I also, we had a new college counselor who saw me on the website as that, and she wanted to talk to me as that, and so they had made no announcement, right? So I go to the principal and the president, and I said, all right, like, you told me I can't have this role, you need to announce that to everyone that not only am I not in this role, but who is, right? Like, who is doing this? And so they kind of like brushed me off. And I learned later that they were trying to put together a diversity panel. I don't know what they call it. What do they call it? Do you yeah, know? That,
1: that's what they called it, a diversity a panel
0: of, of teachers. So I know that Madison is one of the people they asked to be on this panel, as well as a few other teachers. Well, I, and and not just teachers, other people on campus. Well, I had talked to a number of them who said they had been asked, and turned it down right they didn't want to do it and these are not black people didn't want to do it because they felt as though it was just um you know a box that the school was trying to check off versus something that they took seriously right so meanwhile I know Madison was reaching had agreed to do it right and you were reaching out about like when the first meeting was and the principal had not even told her that there was no panel or committee because the other Girl. people had gone down. The principal was like, you know, e- eventually we'll meet. Like, just so on top of, you know, everything that you are dealing with, then there's just like this lack of communication or intentional, I don't know if it's lack of communication when it's intentional. Um, I don't- uh, it, was
2: intent- it was lack of intent. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what it was, okay? they was just trying oh, to pacify y'all with this to. new panel air quote panel y'all they never do nothing did you? and then i remember um, somebody saying
0: like you know they want to offer a little stipend and it's like the state the same stipend that uh like for the arts and crafts club or whatever you know what i yeah. mean like that yeah. that's how important it is to the school um so I am curious, and we could never know because we're not in this room. So like if you go to the principal or the president, uh, one of the things that they say is, you know, this is something that is always on the forefront of my our mind. And like, we're always working on this. What What do you think that means?
2: I've always wondered, like when they say like, I'm working on this, what does that mean? That means I forgot about it, but you just reminded me. So now I'm going to act like I'm concerned. But as soon as you leave my face, I'm going to forget about it again because it's not really a priority for me. Thank you. Yes. See, I
0: don't even think it's that. I think that in their mind, the conversation, that just having the conversation is so difficult that if they talk about it every once in a while to them, they're really working on it.
1: They I were, I, I just felt very gaslit because they, they said, join this panel. We want to address these issues. Then when I bring up certain issues, they're like, does that really happen at De La Salle?
2: Exactly. Now. oh. You
1: yes. know,
0: I struggle with, and when you talk about Gaslit, this idea of an open door policy, but you just get shut down when you're in the door, right? So we had that, which I stand by this. I think every school should do it if you're really going to do it. Like the fact chats where you let the faculty come and talk about their concerns and all that and we had that one at the end of my last year and you know when you have the room full of your minority teachers and for for to hear them say not everybody on this campus feels included you know students don't feel included teachers don't feel included and the little response and i recorded it the little response was i disagree I've seen students on this campus smile. They, they are involved st- in sports or whatever.
2: Your standards for inclusion are too low. Then, like if you saw <laughs> one but happy black kid, they count for everybody, and nothing is happening at this. No, that's, the that's the,
0: not the no. I, I'll give it to him. It wasn't that. It's like I've seen every kid on this campus happy before, because as a human being, you couldn't possibly hold two. Opposing feelings.
2: You You can't be faking it to make it. (laughs) It's not like
0: in my classroom at De La Salle, I was incredibly happy. Even on my most frustrated days, I found it rewarding. Like I got something out of every single day um, at school. But I will tell you this something was also taken from me every single day at school, right? So I had those two things going on. Of course, you saw me smile. You saw me laugh all day because that's what I want in my classroom. That's the environment that I like. Um, but it was still it's still a struggle. You can always look at administration and see there are no people of color and think, oh, you probably know how they really feel about diversity then, you know, or having those conversations about the need to hire diverse teachers well first we're going to get the best students for or the best teachers for our students and then diversity as if you can't do both like that just gives yourself an immediate out exactly um yeah i don't what do you what was your experience with the students um in terms of including each other and
1: the students got it i didn't i didn't have to give any type of lesson on how to how to treat each other. They, when I walked in to my classroom, I had a U.S. history class first. So these were juniors. They had been with each other for a while, since eighth grade. They were a family. They held each other accountable. They they built each other up. They, they had their own support system, no matter what they look like, where they're from. And that's one of the things that touched me the most. I'm like, the kids get it.
0: It's an an amazing (laughs) thing. I mean, I remember my first week in the classroom and what made me feel like, ooh, I made the right decision to be a teacher. Um, It was just like, uh, it was one of the track four classes. So, you know, it's still college prep. I think it just moves a little slower, but uh, they were explaining something to a student, but they were all being so patient and not trying to make them feel stupid. And it was just like the most incredible it was just incredible because I didn't teach them that. I, I just got there. I didn't teach them that. That's just who they were, and um, and I think that's why I feel so passionately about. I wish that these same students, whose you know parents are sending them to De La Salle, I wish those parents would also then speak up because they're all seeing this and they're all irritated about it. But then it's just like. You know, that's just the way the world is. Get, you know, just get through high school and then what? But then you take these kids that come with open minds and sometimes by the time they leave, they might be worse off if you're not careful.
1: Exactly. Not sure.
0: They're gonna be jaded. I, I, um in one of my conversations with the archdiocese and I said, one of my concerns is I've had a number of students reach out to me via email or Instagram this year to talk about like some frustrations and I want to be able to give them an adult in the diocese or in the Lasallian district because I don't want them to think that this is what it means to be a part of the archdiocese. This is what it means to go to a Lasallian school. I want them to see that when you reach out, there are adults out there that get what it means to be Lasallian. But then I wonder are there? I don't know.
1: I will say. When we went to the retreat in Baltimore, the lasallian retreat, I felt like the Asali- the LaSalleans get it a little better than the Archdiocese. The Archdiocese has its own agenda. When I went to the lasallian retreat, like, I was like, okay, there are some people higher up in leadership that... They really do care about including all the kids, respecting every child. And now what and I really, was it
0: teachers mainly at this retreat or was it run by higher-ups? What 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 retreat was it?
1: So it, it was a mixture. Okay. There there are a lot of teachers. Yeah. Good.
0: Because I always worry like that you have higher-ups that believe in it, like the idea, but the have never had to actually try to put it into practice in these diverse spaces, uh, which leaves a disconnect because it's a whole, it's one thing to sit back and think like, ooh, this is the vision that I have. And it's another thing to like dive in and try to bring that vision to life.
2: Either that or you've got to hire the people that can and be open to the ideas and the change because the change is going to happen. It's going to be required. So that those things can be implemented.
0: Required is the key word there. It can never (laughs) happen if it's optional. It drives me. You cannot say you care about inclusion and equity. If it is an optional thing for your teachers to want to participate in activities having to do with an inclusion, with inclusion and equity.
1: Um, Yeah. It waters it down when it's optional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I, you know, would talk about. I was really excited naive even when I got the role of diversity and inclusion and things I could do and I remember immediately feeling like I don't even know where to go from here because anytime I would bring up like oh we've got this faculty in service like hey maybe we can try this at least at the beginning I stopped suggesting I fully admit that at a certain point I didn't do a great job because I was just defeated I felt defeated so I didn't but you know I would suggest and it's like well you know Adults are pretty much set in their ways. So we really need to focus on the students.
1: No <laughs> and And my thing is when when you are in a environment where you are directly influencing
2: directly influencing, yes,
1: kids on a on a daily basis, and what you're putting out, becomes a part of like their their inner voice at some point when something triggers um, something that you said, whether it was like five years ago or two days ago, it's it's directly affecting the kids. And if we're in the business of making sure they are prepared for the world and then this one teacher that they had told them, you can never be this, they're gonna think about that at least once, once or twice. Well, I'm just gonna say, they, they're gonna think about it often, more often than we realize. Mm-hmm.
2: Cause that negative impact can have just as much of an impact as a positive one on students. I mean, we're, we're hearing stories all the time about, you know, I remember the one teacher that never said I was gonna be something and that's one statement, but I also remember the one teacher that didn't really care about us black kids and never really tried to reach out to us or connect with us or do anything. Um, you know, like that's gonna stick out to them just as much as the, the teacher that does.
0: Absolutely. Um. I look. Like, I remember. Uh. I guess it was like a couple months ago on Facebook, which I only joined because I had to join for the job that I have now. Like I had to have a Facebook to get into their account. It
2: was um, required. It was
0: required. Well, it was so like you, you have it. to. Yeah. Like, no, I did. Like right.
2: Because it was required. <laughs> it was required.
0: So, so I did it. <laughs> But, you know, I also like Facebook scares me because it is where you go to see like the opinions of people that you grew up with and stuff that like, you really don't want those. Like, it's just like, it gets too real or something. I don't know, just, but anyway. So a, a student reached out. She didn't even graduate from De La Salle. She, I wanna say got kicked out during or after her freshman year. And she wrote me this really nice letter saying how much she loved um, being in my class. And how grateful she was because I wrote her the nicest letter um, when I found out she was leaving De La Salle, you know, probably like a keep your head up kind of thing. Um, But I'm always like amazed at the small things that make such a big difference, which then makes me think about the small negative things that make such a big difference. And how those impact students. Like I'm always when a student's like, oh, Miss Marks, you know that teacher's racist. Like just common knowledge for all the students and not just black students saying that. It's just like, so this is just like a thing. Like mm-hmm. What,
2: mm-hmm. what do you say to that? I don't um I just don't know you take that deep sigh you just took because that's all you (laughs) can't what you're supposed to co-sign it even though you know it's true you can't co-sign it in class so you just take a deep sigh and try to change the conversation well no and there's always like we all know that teacher is racist
0: and I tell like I am mindful like I tell students be wary because when a student just like throws it out there like oh well you know, she just treats me like that cause I'm black. I'm like, hold on a second. Like, let's walk through, but then you'll have like 10 other students chime in. No, 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 it's true Miss Mark. Like, it's just like, oh God,
2: here I am. I'm trying guys, I'm trying. But then, you know, the kids aren't dumb. They see it and they've got to, they feel it. They got to sit in the class every day and deal. So that's, that's their truth. So yeah,
0: so. I guess I'm wondering, because like I said, three out of four full-time Black class, like full-time classroom teachers that are Black left last year. And I know that one of them, it wasn't you or me, so the other one, uh, he asked the principal, why do you think three of the four Black, you know, full-time classroom teachers that you have are leaving? And, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, that was his answer. That was her answer. She didn't know. But also, like, are you concerned? Like, it doesn't to me. I mean, I know she's not concerned, but I guess, but I guess is what, what is, <laughs> you're killing me. What I think is, like, wouldn't that cause concern a little bit? Like, it at should. least let me, let me pause and think about this it should
1: it it should <laughs> well she she definitely knew why i was leaving because i was very vocal and then i ended up sending a letter to everyone in leadership so everyone would know did they
0: did any of them acknowledge or respond
1: the only thing i got was a thank you for your email two thank you for your emails I didn't even
0: get that from, they didn't acknowledge mine at all. And my letter, by the way, if you go to my LinkedIn page, it is most definitely pinned at the top, my whole letter about my experience, because I think it is so important. Again, not for me. Like I have another job now. I just like, I love De La Salle. I love those kids and I want it. It could just be so good. It infuriates me. It could be so good and it's not right. But I know, cause I had to look it up. I was trying to find it. What, when she said she didn't know why they left, he told her that she upheld and propagated racist policies and practices. And then she cried. And then they went on to send four white men to the Diversity Institute for De La Salle over the summer. Wait.
2: (laughs) Yes. So she can state exactly why She they she felt that they had left by uphelding those. No, no, no. She didn't say that. That's what the teacher told her. Oh, that's what the teacher he he asked her
0: why do you think she said she doesn't know? And he told her why. And you have to to have an emotional response to that, you have to feel some truth in that. Yes. You know, those are guilty tears falling Mm -hmm. at that point, right? So my thing is you have this moment of like, oh, you can sense in your gut that something's not right you don't even make an effort to make any like to make any kind of
2: change but that just shows you don't really
1: care exactly
2: because the tears, even could have like, been, the tears could have even been to pacify the situation like here I'm crying see my concern but now that you're out of my face back to business as usual we're not going to do anything different from what we've been doing but I
0: just feel like with the amount of time and energy you put in to making it look like you care <laughs> if you might well do
2: something by that you time and
0: energy actually caring some things could happen like you're going through so much trouble to make it look like you care so why not just do something crazy and actually care yeah like i i don't get it point Oh, I don't know why today got me all frustrated all over again.
1: Because <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's, right. The, the absurdity of it all is what drives you crazy. Because you're like, this is not rocket science. And like, when I went to the conference in Baltimore, they had paid this consultant, I don't know how much money, you know, to, to tell them these things. And I told the principal, you don't need to hire a consultant. Just ask the teachers that we have here, the people that we have on campus. What what do you, like, what, number one, what's your experience? And then two, after teaching in this environment, where can we improve based on your newly informed experience? It's It's not complicated. It's not calculus. Just God. giving everyone the opportunity to express themselves because not everybody got that. That same level um, of expression. Like we'd be at faculty meetings, a crazy religion teacher would say <laughs> some <laughs> off the wall stuff. They just go on like he hadn't said anything. But if I say something that a student brought to me as it relates to race, did they really feel that way? And it's a whole problem.
0: Well, you know, I um I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds here or not. I don't really care at this point. So um in my frustration after I wrote that letter and sent it to the diocese and sent it to the school board, you know, our 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 the LaSalle School Board, the alumni board, um the LaSallean district, and got very little response. Um, I eventually did talk to, um, the superintendent of the archdiocese, all the Catholic schools. And, you know, I just, I wanted to know, like, is this something like, we're not even gonna, like, we're not even gonna, you're not even gonna look into that. Like you don't, but okay. So unbeknownst to me, she had had a conversation with the president of the school about everything, you know, about my letter and what I wrote and asked what's the deal And he said the same thing I would have said, which is we actually had a good relationship, you know, until we didn't. But um, I just found it interesting that his response to it was not that I was lying. It was never, she's not telling the truth. Granted, can you say that to a black woman? Because she's a black woman. Um, But it was just like, I had perceived everything incorrectly. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not going to deny that any of these things happened, but her perception of it is just wrong, which is so condescending. Like, yes, um, especially because, you know, one of the things that he has stated that he likes about me is how rational I am. He has said that to me as the list, the first thing on the list is that you know, you're so rational when it comes to making decisions. You don't really come to me unless there's a real issue. So how is it all of a sudden
2: when I'm talking about race, I'm you're no longer irrational. rational. Right. You're being irrational and emotional. Then I become the angry black woman. But y'all, I
1: ain't
0: angry. My students love me. That's the thing. Like there was so much love in my time at De La Salle. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. But like, I'm not the angry Black woman. I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. Like, I, you, you guys see me? Like, I just, I'm I don't, it's so beyond me. I just don't understand how like, eventually something doesn't click, right? Like, at some point, you gotta feel like, wait a minute, maybe we're doing this wrong.
2: I but, think I no. just have always been, like, when I think of a private school, I felt like, I know y'all function by different rules and standards, or that's the thought, like the Lasallian principles. In my brain, y'all just have so much more control over the student's day, the engagement, who's in your school, the things they have to do, all of that. So it just boggles my mind that they wouldn't use that control or the system to have diversity included into that. Whereas in public school is a free for all, And we got the most diverse (laughs) list of club organizations, groups, um, little agendas. You know, I told y'all the Black Poetry Jam is coming up this week. Like we just have so much going on and it's just because like, I would say 90% of our clubs is because students found a teacher that would be like a little, you know, run the club but because the students care about You know certain issues, and so they want to make a club, and then the kids show up. So, is there anything y'all think the students could even do to help promote change at the school, or or promote diversity in the in the hallways? Or well, I don't
0: even know. um, We've got, or at least we had the No Place for Hate. We talked about that before. Um, I know that they wanted to start. Now, this, and this is like, when I say like you, they pick and choose. So I had this role of um, director of diversity, equity and inclusion. However, like I didn't know that students had gone to the principal about starting a black student union or starting this. Like they 100% kept me out of those conversations with their response being like other students will feel left out.
2: If the students are coming to you with the thing, like this is their time to be heard. I can't like that makes no sense to me.
0: Like I just remember
2: uh my first Or even year... just their concerns about the dress code situation. Yeah, well my like, first if the students year or having a voice. Yeah, my first
0: year when they were even more strict on the dress code especially for the boys. Um that on separate occasions a number of black students that would come talk to me the boys and it was like heartbreaking to hear them say, "Miss Marks, it just seems like they want us all to look the same." Like that's what they need and yeah. I mean, like, I
1: don't know, yeah. you,
0: you're not, you know and I and I think that's where you struggle like as a black person is, you know and as a black educator, it's like you cannot both defend your school and be honest with these students. Right? Mm-hmm. Because Yeah. Do you get the feeling that like they want you to come, but you can't be too black? Same, 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 buddy. I got that feeling. You know what I mean? Like that's just the truth. But then it's almost like a betrayal to your school. Like you're rallying up the students. And I always like what I wanted, um, both the principal and the president to know is most of the conversations that I had with students about discrimination of any kind, not just race of any kind, Um, I didn't start the conversation. I was just willing to engage. Right. I'm not going out trying to piss students off. I was never doing that. But like, if you want to have an honest conversation, I'm not going to be the one to make you doubt your gut. Life is hard already. I don't need you to, I don't want to be someone who sent you out into the world doubting what you know to be true. You know, that's not my job. I can't
2: do well, that. but just like how you said that you were, you were the one willing to engage, that's where De La Salle is missing the point. They're not. And they're not, um, that's where the school could grow and, like you said, be so much better and be what it is intended to be, because they're not choosing to engage in the hard conversations and the hard thing of actually having to do work to fix the problems. Um, and they're silencing their students forcing them all to look alike and be alike and fit this cookie cutter mold when that's just not how it is today like they're just they're missing the point on quite a few things
0: so many things well just like I remember for years like with homecoming when the girls would have their dresses oh do you think I could wear this and I'm like oh don't ask me you guys know I'm liberal because I'll have you kicked out at the door like turned away at the door that's not what you want but even like the rules like I said the school skirts can't be more than two inches well neither could the homecoming dresses and I'm like Dude, go into a store and tell me if you could find, well, first of all, I'm six, two, you know, I could never find something like, cause I was six, two in high school, right. but also, but here's the thing, rather than say, take a deep breath, take a beat and say what's reasonable and what, you know, for today's time, this year for homecoming, all dresses had to be floor-length.
2: And that's, that's not that's how you fix that
0: problem. <laughs> like What? Oh I, t- I tried, I, and I'm not gonna lie, I did try to do this. I tried to get all my students to go to like homecoming with like a turtleneck and pants, like cover every like gloves, turtleneck, the whole thing. Like <laughs> everybody should just show up like that one year. Like, let's
2: make a point. Like, that's so crazy to me.
0: Obviously, they didn't do it, but I wanted them to.
2: <laughs> I mean, even just float a meme out there, that would have been funny too. <laughs> <laughs> it really would have been. Oh my
0: gosh, I could continue this conversation forever, but it's already been pretty long, so I guess we should wrap it up. Um any any closing remarks uh Madison before we go today?
1: I just will say um I'm glad I took the risk and took the chance um and accepted the opportunity to teach during the time that I did. It has forever changed my life. Um I think I've gained a new level of like empathy uh f- for kids, teachers, parents even mm-hmm. um after being in that space. And I'll I'll probably at some point teach at the, the college level. Um and yeah, like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the experience, but okay. it was <laughs> Definitely life changing. Um,
0: yes, I feel the same way. Absolutely. All right. Thank you
2: so much,
0: Coach. Any closing remarks today?
2: Uh, I'm I'm good today. Good today? <laughs> it's sitting I, in my spirit a little too long. I need a moment over here. <laughs> we'll
0: we'll uh, we'll reflect next week, is what we'll do. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys again, and um Coach. I'll see you next time. Madison, keep in touch. Y'all, it brings up a lot of feels talking to former coworkers and past students. I had the privilege of getting to know some pretty incredible people during my time at De La Salle, which just makes these open conversations all the more worth it. So here is a friendly reminder. Your voice matters, use it, just like I'm using mine to tell you not to be afraid to talk about the hard stuff and remember to include others. I'm Crystal J., also known as Miss Marks. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time on Until the Bell Rings.